it's time to use the tools and gifts that God has placed in your hands. I'm going to live the life that my faith deserves. <sighs> I often ask myself, can I move beyond the old version of me to give birth to who I'm becoming? And the only way that I can do that is through celebrating what God is doing right here, right now. Now, before we hop into today's show, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Now let's jump into the video. So Pastor Tim, man, I, I want to start off here. How about you break this down? Because I know you personally, but I've never, I, ne I never knew this until I read the book, right? That, um, well, I don't want to say what happened. How about you tell me the night, what happened the night before your pastor, not your pastor, well, he was your pastor, but the night your father passed. Yeah, so on my 18th birthday, um, my dad sat me down and we had a conversation for about five hours, man. And, you know, as an 18-year-old, the ideal day is not to spend five hours in deep conversation with your parents. Um, but my dad, man, he was pouring into me kind of in um, this really kind of heavy way. It wasn't necessarily fussing, but also it wasn't necessarily a light conversation either. He was really encouraging me and telling me what he felt uh, like God would have me do with my life. And at the time, that wasn't even on my radar. It was nothing that I was anticipating or expecting. As a matter of fact, I, I was not even saved at the time. And uh, he was pouring into me, man, just kind of really in a declarative way, telling me, hey, this is what I feel God is going to have you to do. And after about five hours of that, he pats me on the leg. He goes upstairs to his bed. 2 a.m. that next morning, my mom knocks on the door. And she asked me to come help her get my dad out of bed because he wasn't responding. And so I go into his room. My dad was a big guy, as you know. He was 6'5", about 265 pounds. And uh, he's not responding. And so I pull him out of bed. He falls on top of me onto the floor. And he looks at me, and he kind of grins, and he dies. <clears throat> and we called the ambulance. The ambulance came. They tried to bring him back. They tried to resuscitate him. They put him under the shockers, that didn't work. And so they ended up taking him to the hospital in Durham, North Carolina, where they declared him dead. But I remember thinking to myself, bro, like, I wish I had more time. Mm. I wish, I wish that I had leaned into that conversation differently. I wish I had been more intentional with how I listen. I wish if I had known that that would be the last conversation that me and him had, I would have recorded it. I would have taken notes. I would have did a lot of different things different. And so still to this day, it's one of my greatest regrets, not uh, really leaning into that conversation and, um, you know, not really um, listening. You know, I believe, bro, we're not blessed really by what we get. We're blessed by what we retain. Ooh, and say that I didn't again, retain, Pastor. Hold on. I didn't retain that information, and so I constantly try to relive it. And, you know, something that was supposed to teach us, uh, you know, wisdom and knowledge and understanding in the middle of a test will revisit us and teach us again if we don't learn from it. And so I've learned from that lesson, man, and, and really have tried to make it uh, an effort to be intentional in every conversation because you just don't know how, how it will impact you or change your life forever. I, I want to go back, Pastor, to yeah. one of the, if you feel comfortable, because I know you talk about it in your new book, The Art of Overcoming, and we're going to talk about mm -hmm. that book here in a little bit. 
And you guys, this this is a an amazing book that I really want you all to get to support my brother. He's a dear friend of mine. We both grew up in the, in the North Carolina area, right around yeah. the corner. He's pastoring <laughs> in the dorm area with his father and an amazing mother. And I'm in the North Carolina youth, uh, the Fayetteville, North Carolina area youth pastoring. Yeah. And we share a mutual friend, KJ Scribbin. Just just yep. just just a solid brother here, y'all. So I want y'all to get his book, but. Pastor, I'm curious, what was one of the things that your father gave you during that five-hour conversation that you think all of us could apply for, uh, well, apply in our lives that um, you're applying right now? Yeah, I I think one of the greatest things he could have taught me is that legacy isn't what you leave for someone. Legacy is what you leave in someone. Mm. And and so in order for me to really, particularly with my son, like, and, and you get this because there's a lot of people that you spend a lot of time pouring into. There's a lot of people that you spend time, um, you know, sharing your life, your wisdom, your knowledge with. And the prayer is at the end of the day that they just get it, that they understand the sacrifice that it took for you to get what they're now getting as a result of the pain that you went through. Mm. And so I, I think the biggest thing for me is understanding the legacy that he left in me. And I am who I am today because he was who he was. And when you really think about it, the only thing that we have left, the only thing that lasts beyond us is the memory of us. The memories that we either leave in people, whether good or bad, or uh, the memories that we we make. And so he he left this, this mark on me through the memories and... Um, you know, it has really been a um, kind of battery pack in my back to fuel me to be the type of father that he was to me. And so I, I think in that conversation, that was the thing that marked me, the thing that resonated with me, the thing that I remember the most uh, from that five hour conversation. According to recent stats, only about half of African-Americans have some form of estate planning put into place. This includes important documents like your wills, your trust, and your power of attorneys. Additionally, only about 60% of all people have life insurance coverage. But why is it so important for not just black people, but all of us to have these things put into place? You see, life insurance can provide financial protection for your loved ones in the event of your unexpected death. It can help cover funeral and burial expenses, uh, payoff debts, and even your mortgages. But here's what I really want you to consider. It can provide income for your loved ones to build wealth with. You see, estate planning, on the other hand, can help ensure that your assets are distributed according to your wishes after your death and that your loved ones are taken care of. If you truly love, and I mean this, if you truly, truly love your loved ones, Don't leave their financial security at chance. I want you to get life insurance today. You can get a free quote with my friends over at Ethos by visiting anthonyoneal.com forward slash life insurance or by clicking the link in today's show notes. Protect your family's future and give yourself peace of mind. Don't be in heaven and you're full of joy and your family is here on earth struggling and stressed. Get life insurance today with my friends over at Ethos. Hey, now let's get back to today's show. I know it's a good one. I want to go back to, because some people are saying, okay, this is deep. 
but who is Pastor Timberlake? Like, who you're talking about his father, this amazing man. Anthony said he pastored in North Carolina. Let's just give some give our, our, our viewers just a quick snapshot of the Timberlake family. You know, where did y'all start? Yeah. Who, who was your dad, your mother, and what you're doing right now and pastoring in the beautiful city of Jacksonville so people can just really know this is who Tim Timberlake is? Yeah, man. So I'm a third-generation pastor. I had no desire to pastor and uh, my grandfather, before he died, I constantly blamed him for uh, this assignment and this call. And uh, my grandfather was a sharecropper, uh, which, for those of you that don't know, is just a glorified slave. They yeah. don't get, uh, you know, any of the privileges that a person working a regular job would have. Uh, and my grandfather got paid five dollars. Uh, a month to take care of eight kids and his wife. Mm. And my grandmother got uh, deathly ill, man, when uh, my father had been born. And they rushed her to the hospital, and she's in the hospital. They tell my grandfather that they have to take one whole lung and cut the existing lung in half. And so she would live, if she survived, with half of a lung for the rest of her life. The chances of survival were slim to none. And so they removed a lung, they removed half of the existing lung, and uh, she was on life support. They came in and they told my grandfather that he should make preparations uh, for her to die. And so before they put off life support, my grandfather asked him, could he have 10 minutes? He goes out to the lobby of the hospital, he drops down on both knees, and he tells God, God, if you save my wife, me and my family will serve you all the days of our lives. And they pulled off life support. She ended up living a week. She ended up living two weeks. And uh, she didn't transition, man, until she was 92 years old. What? And uh, yeah, it's pretty wild, man. And as my grandfather was sharecropping, he started pastoring. And uh, he became a pastor in uh, the rural area of North Carolina. I'm talking about the sticks. <laughs> and uh, people began to come, man, really from all over North Carolina and he uh, started another church. So he's pastoring two church, churches, man, in uh, the late 50s, early 60s. Wow. And my father would travel and play piano for him uh, when they would have, like, weekly revivals. And uh, my father was a basketball player, had no desire to pastor. And when he was in school, God called him into ministry. Mm. And uh, he went on to plant uh, the church that we have now in North Carolina, which uh, he and my mother uh, started. And, and as a result, man, thousands of people every single week would come to one of those services at Christian Faith Center in the big city, the metropolitan city of Creedmoor, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, you fast forward some years. Uh, I'm not saved. I don't desire to be saved. As a matter of fact, I'm at Hampton University coming back home from an away basketball game. And I'm sitting in my apartment on the edge of my bed. It's about 2 a.m. in the morning. I fall asleep. And I thought that I woke up. Hmm. And when I looked at my hands, man, I saw blood kind of smeared on my hands. And when I noticed it was blood, I, I heard the voice of God so clear, the clearest I've ever heard it in my life. And his voice said, the longer you run from what I've called you to do, everyone you could have influenced Will be held to your account. And it just freaked me out. It, it scared me. I mean, it scared the living daylights out of me. I got up, I called my mom, bro, and I told her what I, I saw and what I was dreaming, thinking she would console me and be concerned. And she, she started laughing. 
And I was like, what the heck are you laughing at? And she said, that's the same exact dream your father had when God called him in the ministry. And so I left Hampton University that week. I transferred to a Bible college in Detroit, Michigan. I finished up there early, moved back to North Carolina, and started pastoring the church uh, alongside of her for, for two years before I took over. Wow. Yeah, man. Pretty wild story. Man, that's that's scary. It's, it's something similar to, to my story. Not I didn't have a dream, but mm-hmm. I grew up in you know, Fayetteville, North Carolina, and yeah. grew up in a very strong Christian faith home. My, my father and mother has visited your parents' um, church, yeah. um, and actually your church now as well, uh, all, often, often, man. Mm-hmm. I knew about you mm-hmm. before you even knew about me um, <laughs> because my parents were just so strong in like that Church of God of Christ um, yeah. uh, industry. And man, I couldn't go to prom. I couldn't go to school dance. There, <laughs> there was no such thing as going to the mall. There was no such thing as having oh. R&B music. It was, you go to school, you gonna come home, oh, and we go to church it. every that's single it. day. And so when I, gra- I, I'm like you, bro, like when I graduated high school, I, I graduated at 7 p.m. from Southview High School in Fayetteville, North yeah. Carolina. <laughs> 2 a.m. the next morning. It's so funny you're saying 2 a.m. 2 a.m. the next morning, I'm on the oh, road man. going to Cali. I'm going yeah. back to Cali, Cali, <laughs> Cali. And I run from God, bro. Like, I, I run yeah. because I'm like, I don't want this for my life. And sure. all I knew at that time was church, was God. Mm-hmm. I didn't really experience life as a teenager. And so I run, man, and I get myself into $35,000 worth of debt. I'm out there having sex. Mm-hmm. I'm out here, you know, doing things that I had no business doing to end up homeless in the back of my car. And oh, I'll man. never forget, you had a dream. God stripped me all the way butt naked physically and spiritually to where mm-hmm. I am washing myself with soap suds literally from my neck all the way down with Dawn dish detergent. And God man. literally told me right then, he said, hey, you're going to stay in the dark until you can come back to the light. I had wow, to literally strip bro. you naked and physically for you to get what I've called you to do. And mm. I started crying. I was on my way, Pastor, to go meet with a young lady to go watch Bad Boys. And mm. God said, you're going to be a bad boy if you go over there. And if yeah. you're ready to get back to everything I have for you, then you need to shift and come back. And I mean, man, man it, it was a it was a rude awakening for me because yeah. have I made all the right decisions since then? No, I haven't. I, I, I haven't. But I've definitely made better decisions for my life. And I've I've maximized now my single season. And one of the things that I really loved about your book that's coming out in May, you guys, and we're going to drop um, his book. And his book is called The Art of Overcoming. It comes out May 16th. Um, and we're going to drop the information information inside of uh, today's show notes where you can get this book. This needs to be a New York Times number one bestselling because we need to understand the art of how to overcome certain things. But one of the things, Pastor, that I'm really, really big on is really maximizing my single season. And this stood out to me when I was reading the PDF version of your book when it was talking about maximize each day. I think I, I I I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. A lot of people have, they're not maximizing their days. They're not maximizing their single seasons. Let's be real. They're not even maximizing their marriages. But you talk about maximizing each day. I'm curious, what is the first step to learn how to maximize each day? 
Yeah, I, I think once we become hyper aware of the beauty of the season that we're in, so mm. whether it's a single season, and I, I truly believe you don't understand how to be fully married until you understand how to be fully single. Single, single does not mean alone. Single does not mean lonely. Single means just that, one, single. And you can't understand what it is to become uh, adjoined and merged together with your spouse until you fully understand what it means single. That word single in the Bible, bro, it means to be set apart to be called by God, to be assigned for the season that you're in. And I, I think oftentimes it's looked at uh, with um, this this stigma, both by married people and by singles, as just kind of a transitional period. God did not call you to wait. He called you to live. Yes. And, and when we understand the significance of being single and understand the significance of where our hope is anchored. It's a beautiful season of our life. And, and I think when we understand the seasons and are hyper aware of the seasons, it brings us to the understanding that we can't live in our past and we can't live in the hope of tomorrow. We, we have to live right here, right now. And in, over, in order to overcome the various challenges, I believe we have to schedule our victories, bro, mm. because our defeats schedule themselves. Mm. And so, you know, for for those that are listening and leaning into this moment, I, I have something every single day on my on my calendar. It's a two minute celebration, and uh, it, it's where I either grab my son or my wife. We take two minutes. We just dance and and we celebrate something throughout that day. Because if you don't plan your victories, if you don't plan your celebrations. Your defeats will plan themselves. And we've spent so much time focused on the defeats uh, that we are overwhelmed instead of overcoming. And so, you know, that's what th this book really focuses on. It really makes us hyper aware of the current season and climate that we're in and how we can navigate through it uh, with the help of God and, and really with some applicable tools uh, that we can apply to our life on a daily basis. Hey, real quick. When you're feeling your best, did you know you can actually take on the world and accomplish anything you want and anything you set your mind to? But sometimes life can get in the way and you may start to feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up as the best version of yourself. That's where therapy can come in. By working with a licensed therapist, you can get closer to being the best version of yourself and feel more empowered to handle whatever life throws your way. If you're considering giving therapy a try, which I highly suggest, BetterHelp is a fantastic option. You see, it's convenient, it's flexible, it's affordable, it's gonna fit inside of your budget, and it's all done online, fam. Simply fill out a brief questionnaire to be matched with a licensed therapist, and here's the thing, you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered and fulfilling life, therapy can help get you there. And right now, because you are my family, you can get 10% off your first month when you visit anthonyoneal.com forward slash therapy. Again, that's anthonyoneal.com forward slash therapy. You can get the link in today's show notes. But hey, take the first step towards a better you. Now, here's the second step. Let's get back to the show because I know it's a good one. 
You know, I, I'm curious when you say celebrate your victories, man. I mean, you know, some people may call me arrogant, but I do this every day. I believe, yo, bro, we yeah. just got 2,000 new followers. <laughs> Let's right. go. You know, and some people, man, that's arrogant. You know, you shouldn't be so no, excited man. about your victories and your success because it's all about you, you, you. And I'm like, nah. no, because I'm, I'm often, every time I read a comment, someone's trying to tell me something negative about myself. You know that the, the enemy is using using that person to call out my flaws and to call out to call out negativity. So I have to be my, to be my number one cheerleader. Like, how do you honestly feel when you, your wife, and your son is dancing, celebrating your victories? You know, you're pastoring two mega churches, and it's like I'm pretty sure you you have people pulling on you all the time. How, how do you justify? Because some people are saying, well, I want to do that, but I would feel weird because I don't want people to think that I'm I'm arrogant and I'm boastful. So how do you justify celebrating your success? Yeah, I, I think people are going to talk about you whether you're successful or whether you're broke. I would rather people talk about me for the success that God has allowed uh, for us to steward rather than uh, the pain and the things that I don't have. Th this is also what I believe. God celebrates you. And so why can't you celebrate you? That is so good. You know, if, if, if God knows your sin, but he still calls you by name, and the enemy knows your name, but he calls you by your sin, why do we take on the voice of the enemy as it concerns what we deal with and what other people may be celebrating? Instead of talking about other people's celebration, why not join it? You know, I, I think it's it's absolutely incredible what God is doing through you and how God is using you. And every time you celebrate something, every time you post, this is what I want in the bank account. This is what I desire to do. This is for my future spouse. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm cheering. Yes, I'm rooting you on because <laughs> I believe that when God opens a door for my brother or my sister and I can celebrate it, then the door that God is opening for me is right behind it. And so I think we spend so much time uh, nitpicking at other people that we, we miss an opportunity to celebrate. And it's quite possible that your open door is activated by your ability to celebrate somebody else's. Um, and so, you know, instead of us really kind of going through this, this, this motion of, ah, oh, man, I can't believe he's doing that. I can't believe he would talk about that. Let's just take a moment and figure out why it bothers us. Could it be that we don't have it and that it's rubbed us the wrong way because it's actually something that we want? Or could it be that, you know, we're insecure? <clears throat> Whatever the reason is, you have to get to the bottom of it, but it doesn't have to do with my celebration of what I feel God is doing in and through me. And so, you know, I'm... I'm not concerned about people's perspective of me as long as God knows who I am, my wife knows who I am, my son knows who I am, my family knows who I am, those closest to me know who I am. The people that really don't know me, their opinions really don't matter. You know what? You just convicted me. My, my, my team is... <laughs> no, I'm serious. My, my team is in here because it's like I've done celebration, right? Personally, yeah. internally. But we have a team meeting every Monday, and not one time have we really said, you know, let's set aside five minutes just to celebrate wins, just to celebrate yep. success, just to celebrate some of the things. Because I think I'm so focused on serving and giving and, and impacting mm -hmm. lives that we yep. do not celebrate the time that we are impactful. Like, we didn't even celebrate the time, man. Last month, we, we, de we not delivered, uh, but we led over 200 people to Christ through this show. Come on, man. 
And Come we on, didn't man. take the time to really just celebrate that moment as a team because we was moving on to the next thing. Like, all right, cool. How do we address this problem? How do we address yeah. this issue? How do we fix this problem? When we should have been celebrating, hey, you know what? We just led 200 people to Christ. Like, these yep. are people who now know Jesus because of a money show, because of a, a, a YouTube TTAO <laughs> show. Like, we should have celebrated that. Crazy. Yeah. We made more yeah, money man. last month we ever made in any month in the history of our company. We should have celebrated that, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, Absolutely. okay. I'm, I, I literally just put that on my notes. Add celebration to your Monday team meetings. Absolutely. Because it's, it's honoring the God. Mm. You know, I, I think one of the greatest risks that God could ever take on us is success. One of the greatest risks God could ever take on us in success. This is why, because the areas that we're successful in typically are the areas we no longer invite him into. And so whenever I find myself successful in an area, I immediately have to thank God and I celebrate it. This is why. Anything that I receive as a blessing or an increase or an elevation that I don't celebrate and I don't thank God for will eventually turn into pride. <clears throat> it, it, eventually, it eventually brings me to the place, bro, where I believe that those things are just normal. Yeah. They, they, they happen. And, and I have to be intentional with saying, no, that's not normal. This isn't normal. What God is doing is incredible. And so I'm going to intentionally thank God. I'm going to intentionally celebrate it because it, it's, it's something that I would not be able to do without his guidance, his help, his assistance. And so I, I, I value that. And it creates a great memory, not only for me, but for the people that are closest to me. And, and that's what's most important. You know, not the possessions, not the things, but creating a memory that will last beyond me so that when I'm gone, they have something to reflect off of. This is what I want to do, y'all. Let's We're we going to start this now. For those of y'all watching this on YouTube, I want you to type in the comments one thing that we need to be celebrating. What What is one thing you've accomplished here within the last, let's say, let's say this year, in the year of 2023? I don't care. Maybe that's, hey, Anthony, I, I paid off my first credit card. Hey, Anthony, I just set aside yeah. $1,000. Or it could be as simple as, hey, I just had my first child. Or my son just got a first A. I'm talking about write down something in the comments that we need to be celebrating, and I'm going to celebrate with you. I'm going to lift you up in prayer. Um, yeah, I, because. Man. We need to be celebrating more. And I think sometimes it's a personal conviction. Like I celebrate in silence. You know, I, I celebrate inside my head, not outside. I'm not dancing like Pastor and his wife and his son. You know, uh, I'm about to have my team uncomfortable. We're going to be dancing in <laughs> staff meetings. I'm going to tell them to get up out their chairs. I'm going to try to dance with me. You know, we just, you know, like we have to get excited about it. That's it. Man. Because I think, one, you said it gives honor to God and it keeps him yep. involved in what we're doing. And then, two, it upsets the enemy. Because the enemy knows, like, dang, now now he got to come a different way. I know he's coming, but That's now it. he has to come a different way because we're going to celebrate the small things. Oh, Absolutely. my goodness, man. Oh, Absolutely. my goodness. I decided, bro, at the beginning of this year, I'm going to live the life that my faith deserves. <sighs> yeah, live I'm no longer... I'm no longer going to live to people's perspective of me. I'm no longer going to live to people's opinion of me. 
My prayer is next year when I look back over this season of my life, my faith is proud of how I lived and how I stretched and how I believed and how I prayed and how I expected and anticipated God to exceed my expectations. Because if, if God meets my expectations, bro, he can't exceed them. He can't go beyond them. So my prayer isn't that God would meet my expectations. My prayer is that I would see what God expects for my life unfold and manifest. And it's just like when you pay off a big debt, that's something to celebrate because it's no longer a weight or burden that you're up under. Mm. Every single season, every single situation has a weight, has a burden, has a chain that tries to hold you back from becoming who God created you to be. Mm. And every time you break it or lift it or get from up under it, that's something to celebrate. And so, you know, the thing I often ask myself is, can I move beyond the old version of me to give birth to who I'm becoming? Say that the one more only time. Way I, can I move beyond the old version of me to give birth to who I'm becoming? And the only way that I can do that is through celebrating what God is doing right here, right now. One of the things, Pastor, I'm teaching my my community at is uh, take notes. Like what mm. you're saying, what you're teaching is definitely convicting again. Live the life your faith deserves, not the yeah, life man. people put on you. That's right. That's right. And, and I That's think right. that is so good because some people right now are broke. Some people right now are, are, are working minimum jobs because people told them that's the job you should work. People yep. told them, hey, just go ahead and just rack up student loan debts and, and just work this normal job. Work 40 years on this normal job. Don't be an entrepreneur. Don't go out there and be a pastor. Don't, don't worry about being a millionaire. Don't worry about being wealthy because it, it's the money that's evil. You know, it's like they, they say this stuff. And what I hear you saying is, hey, li listen, live the life. Your faith deserves live the That's life right. for God's expectations, not for men's expectations. And don't That's limit it. God with your expectations. Okay, God, I'm going to live the life that you that you want. I'm going to walk this journey. I'm going to walk this path. And if that includes a, a seven-figure home, if that includes this, if that includes that, I'm going to live that because at the end of the day, you're going to get the glory for it. If you give That's me it. a million dollars, a hundred thousand, that coming back to you plus some. So I'm going to live that expectation uh, on what you have and get away from what the people are saying and get away from me. And man, you know, oh, Pastor, that's so good, man, because... I'll just be transparent. Then I want to talk about your book. I want to talk about your book, man, because, y'all, this, <laughs> no, this man hey, right here I, I is dropping. This, <laughs> this man dropped this. some knowledge, y'all. The art of overcoming. We're we going to get to this book. You got to get it. But, Pastor, you, you, you're so right, man, because for a while I bought my dream car, and I didn't mm -hmm. put it up there for a while because I was, I was scared to show the world how I was living because I was scared they have a perception on how I should live. Right. And if I revealed the to them how I was living— 
then it was like, oh, man, they're going to cast down judgments. And I was around people like yourself, other pastors and other influential people. They was like, no, you're living the life God wants you to live. And you need to show the Absolutely. people that you can be debt free and have the things that you want to have in a godly way because you keep God first. You're you're a, a very well giver at your local church. You're giving to the local community and you're living off of your principles that you teach. So, Anthony, you need to show that. And I was like, no, nah, I'm scared. To. But I was scared you of what people to. would say. You go, but, but at the same point, there are people that will talk about it. But again, they're going to talk about you regardless. <laughs> but there's also, there's also a group of people who are inspired by what you're doing. Yeah. I'm one of them. Yeah. Every time I see you win, I know, okay, my brother's winning. I can win too. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and for those that are listening that think that, you know, it's uncomfortable and it's, um, you know, people are going to talk about you. You're not working as hard as you're working to stay the same. Like, stop telling people you haven't changed. You're not working and busting your tail to stay the same. You're working to change. Life is about growth. Change is inevitable, but growth is intentional. And when you grow, you can't make excuses for small-minded people who don't want to see you grow. And so I want to rewind for a second because money is the reward for problem solved, right? <laughs> and so I, I was I was talking to a, a business leader uh, in our community, and he was telling me. He said, "You know, I'm, I'm I'm running out of money, and the business that I invested in is going going down, and I need more money." I said, "You're not running out of money." He said, I, "I'm confused. What are you talking about?" I said, "You're not running out of money." I said, "You're running out of ideas, because money is the fruit of a problem solved." And so at the end of our life, bro, we're known for one of two things, and that's the problems that we solve or the problems that we create. If people have a money problem, they have a problem-solving solutions. Everyone that gets paid from the executive to the athlete are getting paid what they're getting paid because somewhere they found a solution to a problem that exists. Here's the beauty in this. God has put a solution in all of us to solve a problem. Mm. We have to unlock it. We have to discover it. And when we lean into that relationship with God, man, I'm telling you, it it unlocks destiny in us where uh, we're so focused on what God has put in our hands that it doesn't matter what people are trying to put in our ears. Mm. Like it, it does not matter what people think about how God is blessing you because if God blessed them the same way, they wouldn't complain about it. <laughs> you know, but we go, we go, hey, uh, CJ, Michelle, I need y'all to rewind that like 10 times when he says, I need y'all to re rewind that, replay it, rewind, replay that. Because I need the people to hear that. You know what I'm saying? It's funny how uh, you're right. We will talk about somebody else, but if God blesses the same way, we're uh, not going to talk about ourselves. Bro, we don't do it. We, we judge other people based off of what they do and we judge ourselves based off of what we intended to do. <laughs> it's, the, it's the craziest thing, man. We, you know, we spend so much time talking about what other people do and how other people do it and what they got or what they don't got. When if we had it, we would want other people to celebrate it. Come on, bro. Oh my gosh, man. Ah, yo, pastor, <laughs> pastor, you're right. I mean, cause it's, it's true. I'm going to get talked about no matter what. No matter what. Bro. No matter what. So why not give them something else to talk about, good or bad? Man, and, you just helped me if, out a whole lot personally, Pastor. It, 
if people aren't talking about it, this is how I, this is how I personally feel. Yeah. If people aren't talking about it, then I'm not doing it big enough. <sighs> so it, the greatest example of this, right? The greatest example of this, take LeBron James, for instance. Yeah. If LeBron James is active in a game and he scores zero points, the world will talk about it. Yep. If LeBron James is active in a game and he scores 40 points, the world is going to talk about it. The point I'm making is whenever you are a threat, you are always a target. It it doesn't matter what you do. So why not do what God has placed in your heart to do and fulfill your God-given destiny and give something good to people to talk about? Because they're going to talk about it regardless. You're right, man. I've watched some commentators, man. LeBron James get on the field and he doesn't score well. This is not the greatest basketball player of our times. Then two weeks later, he'll score 50 points. This is the greatest basketball player of our time. And I'm like, I'm so confused. You You literally just said two weeks ago that the greatest was not the greatest. And then the greatest is the greatest. I'm like, wait, what is the problem? But you're right. Give them something to talk about. Oh, man. Okay, 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 bro. We got about about five, ten more minutes. Let's talk about this book. What exactly can we get um, in, in this new book of yours that's coming out here May 16th, The Art of Overcoming. What is Pastor Tim, what is God, what what did God give you to give us? Yeah, I, I think one of the greatest takeaways that God has given me uh, in this season is understanding that although a season may come to an end uh, or a season is ending, it's not the end. Mm. Life goes on. And so throughout this book, I, I talk about something called Little Deaths. And just as God has given us the power uh, to grow through uh, real death from friends or family uh, that have transitioned from this life to the next, he also gives us the ability to overcome the little deaths that we experience and, and the little losses that we encounter, the difficult seasons and moments that we live through. And uh, he gives us uh, a blueprint and he leaves breadcrumbs for us to help us overcome it. And so, uh, you know this, nobody in the world does funerals and home-going services like the South does. No. Nobody. No. I don't care where you go. No. It, you're, going to, you're going to get a, a full service. Sure uh, the choir is going to sing. The pastor is going to preach until he's dizzy. <laughs> After it's over, you're going to go to the graveside uh, for the burial. Then you're going to go back, back to the church and have a meal. After the meal ends there, bro, you're going back to the loved one's house <laughs> to eat again and to fellowship. Nobody does death quite like the South. And this is what I believe. The reason uh, that no one does it quite like the South is because in the South, we understand the beauty of transition. Mm -hmm. See, the Bible tells us to cry tears of joy when one is born, but it says to rejoice when one dies Mm -hmm. because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If he tells us to rejoice over someone transitioning from this life to the next, then I believe we have to figure out how to rejoice in areas of loss, in areas of discomfort, in areas of pain. And so this book really categorizes how we steward pain, how we deal with pain from the context of a funeral. Every disappointment, every letdown, 
every every denial, every delay, uh, we have to really bring it to the surface, eulogize it so that we can bury it and move beyond it. And, um, you know, in this book, The Art of Overcoming, it, it gives us this picture of how we overcome everything differently than how we overcame the previous obstacle or test. It's just like an artist. When, whenever we go to an art exhibition or you know, whenever there's a artist that has a, um, a, a show or he has, um, you know, a studio in town and he's in the middle of painting or she's in the middle of painting and they turn around and they ask the audience, what do you think? It's hard for the audience to give an ac accurate answer because the painting and the art isn't finished. <clears throat> in the artist's mind, though, the artist understands how this picture is going to turn out because they can see the finished picture. And a lot of times in life, it's the same way. We get stuck in the middle of God's painting and we judge God based off of the season that we're in, not knowing that the work that God is doing in us is nowhere near complete. And so oftentimes we have to wait and we have to walk through the season to see God continue to unfold, to put one brushstroke here and another brushstroke there and allow us to understand what that victory looks like at the end of this sentence. But just because it's the end of a sentence doesn't mean it's the end of the story. And uh, I believe the story that he's writing uh, for us is a very beautiful one. And this is why I believe a lot of us need this book. You know, I recently had an end of a season and I questioned myself, is this the end of my journey? Yeah. And really it was the beginning of a brand new journey. And yeah. it was, it was hard emotionally to transition because for a while I was questioning God, like, okay, you brought me here. Mm. And it was like, now you're telling me I'm done here. Yeah. But I thought I was coming and this was forever. And it was emotional, man. I, I talk about this often on my show, it, it, three days. A lot of people don't know. I'm really just starting to get to a point to where I felt um, comfortable explain, uh, expressing that, man. When I transitioned from um, um, Ramsey Solutions to Out of My Own, um, it was an emotional, like, okay, wait, God. Like, mm. and I'm like, can I do this on my own? Like, God, wait a minute. Um, I mean, I depressed a little bit. Um, didn't leave my, my bedroom for like three days. Mm. Um, everyone who called, I smiled. Hey, how you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling great. But internally, yeah. I'm dying. Like internally, I was, I was in a, there you go. I was in a season of transition and I needed to hear clearly from God on how to move forward because mm. I had to move forward. And he spoke to me at the top of my rooftop um, and he specifically gave me like, hey, listen, don't worry about what they say. Don't worry about what's going to happen. I did this. This is what I told you to do. And we're going to be all right. And yeah, I had my man. dog, man. I'll never forget. She was so upset when we passed her because I wouldn't take her out to use the bathroom. <laughs> and she was like, man, we used to go for walks. I used to smell things. And she was, you know, she was looking at me every day like, yo, we need to get up out of this house. <laughs> she was like, you need, to get, you need to hear from the Lord. And you need to transition. You need to do whatever you need to do. And I'll never forget, man, when God told me I went and took a shower. 
and it was like mm. it was like at ten o'clock at night. It was it was late at night. I'm in the hood, and I felt so good because I I, I had the celebration service. I had yeah, the service, yeah. and it's so funny what you said. It, it it's nothing like the South, and I could respectfully say that I I don't I don't see too many. Well, I'll play this. Um, the South and black people, we just know how to have a celebration. Inside That's of my right. will, I say, hey, listen, <laughs> I want y'all shouting. I want y'all, you know, clapping. I want it, I want people saved. I want to see people running around the church. I want y'all to That's celebrate it. my transition uh, because I'm with the Lord. And I don't want you That's sitting right. there quiet and da-da-da. No, <laughs> get about the seat, bring the youth choir right. out. I'm talking That's about right. in my will, I literally have it in there. I want a celebration service. I do not want a funeral. Mm. Um, and, and I literally have on there, if I pass before my good friend Todd Gabbreth, um, um, that I want Todd Gabbreth to come and do, you know, the worship and just shout and just shout. Yeah, to people. man, that's it. That's you know? it, man. And so that's I, I appreciate you, your heart, man, this book, you and your family's ministry. I've just watched you um, just come from where you are, pastoring, um, you know, one of the largest churches in America, um, a very diverse church, man, at that as well. And I love that. And so, Pastor Tim, we, we love you, man. We appreciate you. We're going to drop all of your information in today's show notes, you guys. This is a guy that you all want to follow. Um, over a million subscribers on Instagram. His church, his both of his churches combined thousands of, of members um, impacting the world, literally. Um, and this is a young man that just loves God, loves his family, and loves people. And he wants to help us overcome and get into this next season. And so we're going to drop his information in today's show notes. Uh, make sure you all go get his book um, right now. If you're watching it, it's probably on pre-sale, but go ahead and get the pre-sale and let's support this man of God uh, and really not just support him. And, well, yes, while we are supporting him, we're getting fed. And that's mm. the great process of it. So we love you all. Pastor Tim, we love you, love man. You, man. Thank Appreciate you for the opportunity, you, bro. bro. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. Yo, we'll see y'all on the next show. Peace out. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdrafts up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.